0: Thank <laughs>
1: Welcome along to the Wise Men Say Preview podcast with me, Frankie Francis, Craig Clark and Michael Loff. Hello guys. Hello. Hello Frankie. We're looking ahead to Sunderland's fixture against Burton Albion, Saturday 3pm. Any of you guys going down?
2: No, I'm sorry to disappoint you, I'm not.
1: Well it is only Thursday at around 6pm as we speak. Mickey, you are well known for the last minute Saturday morning call, so there's still time for you.
2: But still, time. as we would say on Sky Sports News, we can't rule it out at this stage.
1: Yeah, well done. Uh, Craig, you're not going down either.
2: No, nah, I would have, put it sold out before I got to my
3: measly 15 points or whatever. i yeah. struggling on this. In thing.
1: demand. Uh, don't worry, though, throughout this podcast, we'll be looking ahead at the opposition on the weekend. We'll have a brief look back over the week's news since the last pod on Monday. Um, but we must start with information uh, from Wise Say HQ. And uh, Gareth and Stephen have been... Heavily onto me about plugging this. Uh they did announce it on Monday's pod. But there's going to be a live podcast at the Peacock, and uh that's with Jack Ross of uh Sunderland Fame. <laughs> yeah. He's um he's gonna do a live QA. Um but this night it's gonna be split into two. So um I don't know if you guys know this, but um Stephen Elliott and Kevin Kyle are also gonna be there. Jack Ross is gonna take part in the first bit. Mm six thirty
3: starter, if I remember, yeah, uh,
1: no five forty five doors, ah, but right. I think Jack He's Ross might be speaking from six thirty. Uh, so if you like, um, Jack Ross is the 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 delicious starter <laughs> to what could be um, a nicely a, a nicely a nice evening of um, delicious Sunderland <laughs> based based <laughs> <laughs> cuisine <laughs> with the pie and peas as a main course because there's pie and peas on there. And who was the pie
3: and who was the peas? Well, No, no, pie and peas. Sleeves Peeps. and Kyle. Well, no, I was going to say
1: that was a delicious dessert.
3: Oh, even better.
1: Yeah. Uh, but who do you think is sweeter? Sleeves or Kevin Kyle? Oh, sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to say that after the last time we did one of these uh, live pods. I, I,
3: we're not getting into that again. <laughs> I keep trying to defend myself. The more I do it, the worse I sound.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you want tickets, you better be quick. Head over to wisemanse.co.uk because by the time you hear this, they might have sold out. You guys gone? Yep, yep, I'll be there. Yeah, of course, of course. You go going? There. Only if you are. Well, I'll see you there. Then. Okay, right, I'll <laughs> see you there. Uh, let's have a brief look back at the Fleetwood game. Uh, I guess we all saw it. A uh, bit of a frustrating one, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I came away from the game just completely frustrated that we didn't manage to get the three points. Um, obviously, again, it was a really slow start, which, which we need to address as soon as possible. But yeah, it's just it was, I think, frustrating. It's just a word because we had so many kind of opportunities in the second half. We hit the post, and the goalkeeper made that extraordinary save from point blank range. And as you say, it just it definitely feels like two points drop. I was really pleased with how we finished the game. Yeah, Craig,
3: feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? we it, does, it. weirdly, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I came away really annoyed after the game, but more so that I felt like it was another opportunity to dominate a game. Yeah, At the, from the start had gone. Yeah. I mean, the stats have been tread over many times about conceding the early goals. We need to cut that out. So I think the main thing that I took away from it was I felt we should have won the game despite them having the penalty and missing it mm-hmm. because of the chances Mickey mentions. But also, this might be a good opportunity for <clears throat> Jack Ross to take a look at things technically and maybe mix things up a bit.
1: Yeah, I still felt like, um, from my point of view, he was still trying... Find some stuff out against Fleetwood. I still don't think we found our best 11. I still don't think the, um, you know, because I know Oviedo was missing, but I still think, you know, we may see him further up the pitch and maybe because Denver Hume had such a good, um, Mm. you know, a good game, he could come in left back and Oviedo moved to left wing. Little things like that, I think, were positives to take from the game. It would certainly offer you some more natural width. Yeah.
3: And it's not like Oviedo's like... I remember people used to quite like the idea of pushing van Arnholt further forward. Mm. I always thought he was better at accelerating from deep yeah. and exploiting space. Oviedo was a bit different. Mm. Played as a left winger predominantly when he signed for Everton, I think. Mm. I think he used to wear number 10, actually. I don't quote us on that. Um, but he, he's got a hell of a left foot on him. Yeah. And actually, thinking of this weekend's game... Mm. Um, I know we'll jump ahead of that later, but with their goalkeeping situation, this is kind of what you want. Players who can hit the ball from distance. Yeah. And even if you don't score... Four spillages.
2: Yeah, yeah. Follow, it up, follow yeah. it up. Second ball. I'm in complete agreement with Craig about how to uh, utilise Oviedo. I think I would like to see him further forward. I was dead against the Van Anholt one because, like Craig said, he was a, a left-back and the reason he scored so many goals was because he made runs from deep and he was untrapped because you're not going to man-mark a left-back. Yeah. Whereas if he was a left-winger, I think he would have just been man-marked out of the game and I don't think you'd have seen the best out of him. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, But whereas... Brian Oviedo, he likes to get balls into the box, like you say, or take shots on. And he's got more like, natural attack and flair, I think, than Van Aanholt does. I think he's a technically more efficient player than Van Aanholt. So, I particularly think, in League One. You
3: know. Well, I, th- I think the other thing about Oviedo potentially moving forward, it would be probably... a relatively short-term thing
1: because you've got McGeady to come back. Yeah, well, McGeady so, coming back would be very good uh, very soon because I felt there was a little bit of a... a, a something missing between the midfield and the and the, the forwards. Yeah. What What is that missing link?
3: Well, Max Power, potentially. Yeah. Uh, he's one. Yeah. Two, someone like McGeady, who I think Maguire um, has looked good in the first few games and yeah. struggled a bit without Oviedo because he will run the left wing. Yeah. Without that, Hume played well on his own, mm-hmm. but I don't think Maguire really helped him much. No. I think it was quite a selfish performance from him on Saturday, and he's getting hooked quite early in games, 50 minutes, <laughs> 60 minutes. So you'd think the natural replacement for him would be McGeady, and mm-hmm. I think he will offer you a lot more. He can dribble. yeah. He, another one who can shoot from range. I mean... If he has three long range efforts on goal in a game, he's yeah. likely to score one of them because yeah. the goalkeeping in this division isn't good. No. We've seen that time and time again. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see him come back. I don't think he's probably going to be ready this weekend. No. But uh, he could offer a bit of a link. Yeah. Honeyman did it times on the weekend against yeah. Fleetwood. I understand some people's frustrations that he doesn't do it throughout the game, but let's judge him on what he does do, not on what he isn't doing. Yeah. And I thought on Saturday. That's more of what I want to say from him. Yeah. I don't know about other people. I got, I got, I did the player ratings and got a bit of a a kicking for giving a man of the match. But I honestly thought, as in an attacking sense, he was he was arguably our, our most influential player. No, hmm. yeah,
1: maybe, maybe, maybe. But we'll leave those um, player ratings. We'll put them to bed now, Craig. Because you've, already uh, I'm said still bitter yeah. about the abuse. Well, <laughs> so... don't worry, you'll get some more <laughs> after the weekend as well. Um, I <laughs> suppose the big story from Sutherland Football Club uh, this week would. Be the announcement they put on the club website regarding uh, Pabby um How did you guys uh, see that?
2: Uh, let's start with you, Michael. Well, obviously, it's, um, you can't say it's bad news because if he's not getting paid by the club and he's in, you just don't want people like that around the place to you. Mm. Um, but I think the wording was very interesting because it's not as if we came out and just said, "Oh, he's been sacked."
1: Well, that's 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 exactly right, and that's what I want to yeah. get into. It, the the wording was very um, clear that he is he he's been given notice, hasn't he? Yes. Um. So, what do you read into that? Um, that it, I mean, how long is this notice? We don't know. I guess it's I in his know. contract. It could be. It could be months, couldn't it? it, could, it could, essentially, yeah. It could it could, could be, be here for an, well for
3: months. It's an interesting point that I hadn't thought about. Um, was it Paul Tisdale at Exeter? who they couldn't afford to sack him, so they put him on, they give him notice. Mm -hmm. And he was working his notice in the playoff final. Mm. Uh, So then kind of he'd worked his way back into the plans, but then it created this really awkward situation. Obviously, that's not going to happen here. Gillibodgie isn't going to play for Sunderland again. What I would say, there's a couple of interesting things. So I noticed Simon O'Rourke from ITV had tweeted um, that it was fascinating to see how it plays out, which I think, we all yeah, agree with. Yeah. But it, it should also be applauded by all, regardless of your club allegiance. Why should footballers be treated any differently to other people? If you behave appallingly, you should expect to reap the consequences. Mm. Agree. But I also agree with Alex Campbell, who's tweeted the account and said, isn't sackenham given exactly what he wants? An easy way out. Mm. And the same will apply if we do likewise with Ndong. Should we not take a tougher stance? And what should the FA do to support clubs in this situation? I see where he's coming from. Yeah. no on the one hand, I think you'd have sat on that contract and took that money because he's twenty nine year old, he's worthless, he's got no value. Yep. Slightly different with Dong.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: However, he's now got the freedom to just go. Like there's no consequences. So why I understand what Simon's saying. Why should they be treated differently? Hmm. The reason is that there's a monetary value, like kind of attributed to footballers that isn't to you and I.
2: Yeah, I just gonna say with Dilibogio for like, how would um he define a tougher stance? I'm not really sure what more we could do apart from not giving them any wages. So like, other than like um like a public like flogging in, in like the middle of um, in the middle of town, Keel Square, Keel Square, Kiel like Kiel I, I, Square's I, first I, flogging. I, 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 I would be all for that. I'm just not not quite sure what more we could do. Um, because I,
3: I agree with you, but I do think it does reveal an interesting thing that is very unique to probably footballers, maybe other sports stars in other countries, but specifically footballers where you're an expensive asset, Mm. Gillibodgie isn't an asset, obviously. And Dong's probably a better example.
1: Mm.
3: Would you really want to sack someone who we almost sold for £6 million? Mm. The only reason we can't is because of his wages that get rid of him. But you can see why the club wouldn't be in a rush to sack someone like that. The fact that players have got
2: monetary value attached to them makes them special. Yeah. Even if they're rubbish, mm. I, I think it's important to consider. Though I think we still are pursuing like legal avenues, such as suing Dilabodji for loss of earnings, etc., et So We're still well, that would be a harsher stance, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So, so that,
3: there you go. That that's the answer, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um. I I
2: did speak to Kieran Brady about this.
1: Uh. At the the ground. Um. Before the, the um. What was the game before Fleetwood? Scunthorpe? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well Oxford, Oxford Oxford it was Oxford yes. game and he said that this could be a landmark case in terms of um you know the clubs f- regaining power over the players but he did suggest though if the club were to pursue a legal battle against um it could be a very very long drawn out process which would in- inevitably actually cost us quite a lot I was going to say it's probably
3: expensive yeah. um, um
1: so he he did warn against that but it, you know It's going to happen at some point. Yeah, you know, and I don't know which side of the argument the FA would fall on. You would hope they would fall on 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 this occasion on on our side, but you you don't really find them stepping in to to protect clubs. It's not at all actually. Yeah, I
3: mean, look at the state of Bolton at the minute and Birmingham. I'm not. I'm not saying that FA can particularly do anything in those instances. Football sold itself to the market. Yeah, and you can protect football clubs as kind of community Mm. beacons if you like yeah but they haven't really done that no and i don't think they're really going to do anything about papi gelabodji's status at the club it is interesting though that we are taking this stance because he is a special unique case in that he really probably would just ride that contract out and take the money Mm. because he's gotten he must be pretty aware that he's never going to earn whatever he's on now ever again yeah he isn't, is he? No. You, you don't think so, no. Even if he goes... You get another club, it's not that bad, but it would be like... You go to France, maybe, and they'd offer him maybe five, ten grand a week. Mm. I don't know what he's on at Sunderland, but it'll be a damn sight more than that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, um, we'll leave that yeah. issue. Um, and a positive story coming out of the club this week. They've started putting the seats back in, the North Stand. Some pictures coming out from the club today. It looks really nice. And the likes of cats and... Um, uh, Maguire, Maguire helping fit
2: them in with the drills, good PR, right? <laughs> Charlie Muffin doing the PR exercise. <laughs> that really does surprise me. Um,
3: to be honest, though, like I mean, I've been joking on about Maguire saying like you know he's better off doing that than playing. <laughs> Obviously, I'm taking the Mickey a bit, but like joking aside, it it is it is nice to see the players involved with the fans like that, isn't it? Yeah, of yeah. course, yeah, of course it is, and it looks good. And it does look good, yeah.
1: And we're going to hear now from the manager ahead of this weekend's game against Burton Albion. First of all, Nick, uh, Nick Barnes from BBC Radio Newcastle asked him about the state of the side's fitness.
4: We have, aiden has been back, McGeady's trained with us this week, but has been out, or absent now, for, for most of the last four months, so quite a while. But he's been involved with the group, he's trained pretty well, it's been quite challenging physically for him. Um, for all the group, actually, but you know, so for him having spent a period out, but having his quality back you know, within the group is a, is a tremendous boost for us. Um, and out with that, the only long-term one we have now is Duncan. Again, he's making good progress. We have a little concern over Dylan Le for the weekend. We had some knocks earlier in the week, but they've, they're have they OK now. And Brian Oviedo will assess later today because he's had a long trip away to Seoul, travelled back home late last night to the North East. So we have a chat with him and see how he's feeling.
5: But at least, I mean, judging by Denver's performance last weekend and in the week, Tom Flanagan as well. Uh, it, in some ways, you've got an embarrassment of riches at the back now.
4: Yes, yeah, uh, we're now starting to get to the stage where players have a clear understanding that they need to play well to ensure that they stay in the team. And I, I don't like using it to, as a as fear to motivate players into doing well. But I think that, I think they can see it themselves. I think they're not silly. They can see that. Now the strength and depth depth is there and As a manager you always ideally would like Two players to compete for every position It sounds pretty old fashioned But I'm sure most managers would agree It's the most sensible way of doing things And, and we have that in a little bit more Because you'll get the emergence of a Denver That then adds to the mix in that left back position So it should help us You should find that it, it drives players on And um, and it means that if they're out of the team, it usually means it's because they're not reaching the standards that we believe they're capable of, and then it's up to them to try and readdress that. So I think moving forward for us, is certainly now we're probably at the arguably the strongest position we've been in squad-wise um, all season.
5: And is Tom Flanagan one who will be banging on your door this week, or certainly in training, making a claim for the weekend because it's going back to Burton and he can play across the back? I mean, we saw him in pre-season at centre-back, play at right-back, left-back, gives you a few
4: questions. I think he was the one that I felt most sorry for um, in terms of picking up an injury because we'd asked a huge amount of him pre-season played in a lot of different positions, played nearly every minute of games and then picked up the injury two days before the Charlton game and he would have started against Charlton, I think everybody would have known that and then it would have been up to him to stay in the team. He's came back quicker than we expected, he's trained well um, and I think his contribution on the part was good last week so he's a he's a type of boy that's a great one to have in your squad not just because of his versatility but because of his character and his nature and He's vocal, he wants to do things properly um, and as you said, because he come back to his former club it always adds that extra occasion to it for individual players but he's one that very much comes into the thoughts again um, and that's all you can ask is when players get their opportunity either starting like Denver has done or coming off the bench that they they make you think long and hard about your team. Um, as a manager, I suppose if you're winning games 5-0 every week it becomes easy but even then you still want to have to think about it you still want players that are, that are causing you to not just pick a team and say that's it.
5: There's been a lot of talk um, in the last few weeks about the Vogue for playing one up front. Um, and I know you said you, you, you mm. tend to play one up front. Is the fact that Charlie Wike's fit now or getting fitter, Jerome Sinclair's coming back in, Madge has been doing a good job for you. Are you starting to think now about the possibility of playing two up front or maybe two up front at home and one up front away from home?
4: I think that everybody's their own opinions and and how rigid systems can be. And probably the one thing for me is that any system I play probably has a degree of flexibility within it. So I think that if you play a 4-2-3-1 and you have three midfielders in it, then it is more of a one up front. If you play 4-2-3-1 and you ask another striker to drop in, you might ask people that are watching it, to, to could they say for definite if it's a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1? It, it, there's all these arguments, you know, I could watch a team we will do prep for a team and, and they might you could say it's 4 3 because that's what it is in possession but out of possession it's a four one four one. it's all you know these things are so fluid nowadays that I think the, I think the personnel is probably more than the actual system so if you look at the number of attackers you have on the pitch at any period there's probably a greater reflection of your system than the actual where those players are um, again the one thing I think we still need to get better at is when we do play with one and three behind the, the, the rotation of those three and the flexibility of their movements but again that's been hampered a little bit because we've chopped and changed not just the personnel but also the system at times as well so when I said that earlier about, I think we're still finding exactly what works best for us either home and away or both Um, and I don't think that's a criticism of the player I think that's just due to the fact that we were a little bit bitty with the squad to begin with and and it was all new Um, and to to temper that again I think that speaking to people in this league and that have been around this league I think the ability to be able to, to change either for a game or within a game I think it's something that stands the team in good stead the teams, have, teams have been promoted have said that they had that flexibility within the system
5: You spoke last week about the difficulties for you of coming into a league where you only play the teams twice mm. when you've been facing teams four times in Scotland do you sometimes in your head or, or as a manager try and put yourself in the in the, the shoes of Joey Barton or, or Nigel Clough this weekend and second guess how they are going to look at you and, and how you play to, to to counter them, if you like.
4: Yeah, we do it. We're pretty structured in our work and our weekly work, and and so part of that is um, like all clubs at the analysis what we do and the prep, what we do for the opposition. But we we split that fairly evenly between what we do and what things that we feel can our weaknesses in the opposition, and then on the flip of that, the strengths that they have and how they'll they'll play against us. So that is constant every week um, and I think that the, so in terms of how they approach the game system wise is, is, f- is okay I think the thing that we've had to get better at is, un- is understanding how aggressive teams are in their approach to the game and I don't mean that by by committing foul after foul I just mean how aggressively they've approached the game in, in a positive way and that's something that we've probably maybe take us a little bit by surprise I think it's difficult to predict because we, not every team's done that that's came here. Um, and will they all continue to do that? They might, because they might look at the team's getting success with it, but they might not, be, or they might not think that's the best way for them. So that, that's the one thing I think is more difficult to predict. I think system-wise you can say that, but I think how they'll approach the game from a, from a psychological aspect is, is, has been the hardest thing to know for certain.
5: And a, and a manager's job description encompasses many, many things, but um, you're possibly the first to include Goat Herd. Amongst the qualities you need as the manager. <laughs>
4: yeah. Um I was made aware of this when I took the job. I um I think previous managers had been sent them. Dunno. Um, yeah, how many goats have you got now? Four is it? I have yeah, but I got one for the Stoke game actually as well, which was a nice touch. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we get one. So I think I'm up to five. Um so I have well, I don't have five goats. I think me or the club, or both together, have goats. So
5: there is there must be a fear. One day a van's going to arrive, and yeah, you're going to get a truckload of goats delivered
4: yeah, to, and to look after it. Could it could well happen. It's a slightly unusual set of circumstances, but the good thing is somebody's benefit from us doing well as well. So I'll allow me that continue. And
5: do, you, do you have any idea who it is? I mean, we know there's a name attached. Yeah, to Yeah, no. But
4: apart from that, no idea. No, absolutely no. Idea. No clues comes in fairly uh, on clockwork in terms of if we win games they come in you don't have to look for it it pops through the post and hopefully we'll have 30 or 40 or, or more of them that come the end of the season
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
1: You're listening to the Wise Men Say Podcast with me, Frankie Francis, Craig Clark and Michael Loft. Thanks for joining us. We're looking ahead uh, to Burton Albion at the weekend. someone playing down there this weekend and that was Jack Ross our manager speaking about the goats uh, what do you guys make of the goats we've been sent to the goat every time someone perform this uh, season uh, as Jack Ross said in the, uh, the chat with Nick Barnes from BBC Radio Newcastle uh, he hopes to have a whole
2: herd of them by the end of the season <laughs> well that, that was going to be my quip so, um, so he stole my thunder there um, apparently this is not a this is no new thing though no from from not from my coverage but
1: over the i feel sorry for those guys who maybe benefit from these goats cuz over the last couple of seasons <laughs> one have got that many goats
2: no
3: we were really Sort of failing to deliver <laughs> the on the goat front, yeah, yeah. But now, as well as everything else, to be yeah, honest, yeah.
1: you know, the goats were the least of our worries. Yeah, but, uh, they are very punctual, and we seem to be cracking a few for the for the lads there.
2: I um, <laughs> was well, delighted to hear that you received a goat for a trade trophy win on penalties, even though it was technically a win draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I, I, that's just maybe it was like a miniature goat or yeah. a baby goat.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: what are what, baby goats called? Actually, I don't know. That's another uh, conversation altogether. What are they called?
1: Ram? No, that's no, a male. no,
3: no. There's
1: male. Shit. There, there's probably anyway. a kid. A kid. That's Am I right? I think I'm right. You are right. It's spot on. Let's look ahead then. Next Burton on Albion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate that programme so much anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, Burton Albion at the weekend. Then <laughs> hey, they are currently 17th in League One. Uh, they have won two in the league, drawn one, and lost four. Currently on seven points. Uh, are, are currently experiencing a bit of a crisis in goal at the moment, where they have. Um, They've had a call up uh, um, someone from the youth team to play in goal this weekend. I think they asked if they could have someone else, but they've already got a keeper on loan uh, in, the, in Brad Collins from Chelsea and uh, their first choice keeper is out. So that's good for our strikers. The keeper, just have shots, get a shot at him. Well, that's what the message yeah, will be. They should be doing
3: that every game, looking at the goalkeeping in this league. Yeah, But yeah, even more so. Especially like people like Oviedo. Who can yeah. really hammer the ball from distance? Yeah. Get him in range. Let him blast.
2: Will, will Oviedo play this weekend, though, because he's been halfway around the world, hasn't he? And he's only got. a lot be... of time. And he's
3: only... Even if he's, he's still he's... got jet lag, he'll be
1: better than League One. I had a friend <laughs> just got back from uh, Mallorca yesterday who claimed he had jet lag because he got back one o'clock in the morning. I think that's just being tired. That is <laughs> yeah, <he's> being tired. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to think that Oviedo's going to be in action. Surely he got a couple of days off training at the start of the week and then.
2: But he's only getting back. I think tomorrow. What? Oh, he's, he's actually right? back yet. Oh, he's still playing another game. I, I think. He, I think we've had a midweek. I'm not don't quote me on this one. I'm sure he gets back tomorrow. Well, even then, ah,
3: well, okay, maybe he doesn't play. It wouldn't be the the end of the world. No, Hume acquitted himself well. He did uh, last weekend. Um, I suppose we are actually when you start thinking, think... Uh, surely you'd start thinking about again Maguire, from from my perspective as the player that come out. Yeah, and. I'd be thinking about bringing Sinclair in anyway.
1: He looked sharp, didn't he? Yeah, he,
3: he did. Looked he looked very sharp. Um, or, well, without Oviedo, I probably wouldn't change the system. Otherwise, I, I would be very tempted to play 3-5-2 mm. and have Gucci and Oviedo as wing-backs. You bring Flanagan into the back, mm. more height. was struggling with set-pieces. Flanagan looked yeah. pretty
1: threatening in the air going forward, actually. He did, yeah. Yeah, it's good to have some more height. That set-piece thing. It's
2: frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, right. surely they practice that a lot. and It must be more frustrating for Jack Ross. It's a bit of a conundrum because you can't figure out whether our defence has been really good or really bad because we've only conceded the one goal from open play, open haven't we? Open play, yeah. so, I, I, th- I, th- I know you shouldn't. You've got to think
3: about what you're playing this season. But you, you look at some of the teams around us and you wonder, would Barnsley, Peterborough, you know, the kind of Portsmouth take some of these chances that other sides are missing? Because it's not like we're it's McLaughlin making loads of saves Mm. some of the chances they get missed are really quite awful Yeah, Um, McLaughlin looks a capable, capable goalkeeper I would have plenty of faith in him to make saves but you would like to see them tighten up a little bit it's less so in fact tightening up I'd just like us to see us dominate games a bit
1: more Yeah, we saw it again I thought. think i will come with time though once we get a yeah, settled yeah, start 100%. on 11 and you know I don't think that is the settled start on 11 I no. think by Christmas we should be well and truly hitting our stride let's um, hope so yeah definitely yeah and then those I think those, then those performances are going to come out speaking mm. with someone uh, during the week you know I, we, I fully expect Sullivan to beat someone 7-0 or something like that this scene I think it's going to happen once we get that F- fully fit, starting eleven, mm. clicking. You'd think so, anyway, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, I think the a big issue that came out last weekend was people that look at the name of the club we're playing rather than actually like how good they are in in proportion to this mm. league. So it it is hard not to get bogged down. In it. And I did myself, like you come away from the game, and you think one one with Fleetwood, and yeah. if rules reversed, and like say if the Mags is ha- what happening, happened to The Mags we be laughing, we be laughing at them drawing with Fleetwood at home. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But Fleetwood are one of the better teams in this division, and we and I think mm-hmm. they've settled for a point midway through the second half, and they were very much on the back foot, despite Mister Barton's claims that man for man they were a better team. And you're always going to get that extra little bit more performance yeah, against Sunderland, aren't you? This season, I just think if you replace in yeah. name... Fleetwood with Portsmouth on Saturday and we're drawing one-one. People would probably be a bit more philosophical about it.
3: Yeah, I just I think we've had so much pain going to home games for so long, and after winning the kind of first two, you thought the juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, well, And, think, and, and, and yeah. that's expectation. That's my issue as a, as an individual. But I mm-hmm. think we have a bit of a right not just because we're in League One, but because we've put up with crap for years, Mm -hmm. to just start expecting to win. I I, I
1: don't think... um, I think it's because we're just almost clicking... Especially yeah. at home over the last couple of games, almost clicking into, yeah. into you know into the next gear, you know, and I don't I don't feel like we're we're not in the top gear yet, you know. No, we're I, definitely not, on, not, right. by miles. We're miles off, in fact. But I think the you can see the potential there, which is yeah. which makes yeah. it more frustrating for the fans who watch it on a regular basis.
2: And, and even though we've got them um, players coming back, it's a little bit frustrating because McGee comes in; he's just starting the. Well he was starting to play his way in the fitness until apparently he's got a knock this week. So mm. it, but anyway, but the point yeah, I was going to yeah. make about McGee is he comes back in but max power suspended, so you don't get to save that midfield at his maximum potential, like yeah. you were saying. Because um there was a lot of talk going into the Fleetwood game, the Catamore and McGee are too similar. And I think that was quite evident because McGee was actually frustrating me a lot in the first half against Fleetwood because he was getting on the ball plenty, but for me, he just kind of took the safe option every time. He's very assured on the ball, though, and I took a lot
1: from, from that. But I do agree that I found myself thinking, he plays very deep and very safe He was between, too often. He was between, so some lad sitting next to me at the match
3: um, it said something along the lines of wanting to see him 10 yards further forward, 20 mm. yards further forward. And I understand exactly where he's coming from. Because he looks like a player who can take the ball in tight spaces. yeah. But he wasn't doing that. And given he was playing alongside Catamol, I can only think that's partly down to instruction or his natural game. Now I I can't imagine we're going to want to see him sitting between the centre-backs. I mean, what's the point in this division? You don't need a midfielder that deep. And he seemed quite limited in his passing range. Like you say, played it safe. A lot of sideways balls. He seems
1: very accomplished on the ball, though,
3: Craig. But... Being accomplished and doing something more, a little bit more. I just want to see him do something more effective. He's got plenty of time to, to develop and get into the role,
1: mm. providing he stays fit. I think that all depends who he's in midfield with. As and well. that starts, well, yeah. but but does he start? Yeah, that's the thing. When Max Power comes back, one of them's mm. got to... It,
3: it would have to be him who drops out as it stands because mm. you can't drop Catamble in this form. Mm. By far and away, our best midfielder, I would say. Mm. I mean, on Saturday, I thought, again, he was... He was a driving force. He was winning the ball. He was winning in headers ball. and stuff. Yeah, like he that, wins you know? so many yeah. off corners. Yeah, not something you'd associate with him. No. He's not a particularly tall guy. No. Um, and again, I'm not trying to knock McGee. He's just coming back to oh, fitness. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But it speaks to the depth we've got. Mm. There's the competition. If you're off your game, someone's there waiting to take your place,
1: aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely, and it's, it's a good problem to have, isn't it? Right, looking again at, at Burton, last time out, they drew with Accrington, and they also got beat off Walsall in the um, in the Cup, and the last time they won was against Wimbledon, 3-0 at home. They've got goals in them, they've scored 8 goals this season, but they have conceded 10. So
3: so they're kind of averaging 1-4-1 one, one against, yeah. I suppose, per game, which is like, you look at the firepower in our team, and you think, well, come on.
1: Hmm. Huh? come on <laughs> come on they have been beat uh, they got beat 3-1 um, off Oxford we've played them I'm um, just trying to just scan through if anyone else they've played we have Gillingham they got beat 3-1 off Gillingham I mean um, Gillingham
3: looked a decent team to me so yeah. I don't think there's any shame in that I'm, just, I'm just saying I know people it's, we, it's interesting, interesting though isn't it Like yeah. the, the way the, result, the, the fact that they absolutely smashed Wimbledon who we yeah. you know, had a hard time against is interesting actually
1: they did beat uh, Aston Villa in the EFL Cup though well, good for them. There yeah. was Steve Bruce. Yeah. Boo hoo. <laughs> um so th- I think I guess it's time for uh, predictions then, guys. What we what we're saying for this Saturday's uh, fixture down at Burton.
2: I think it should should be three points because you could argue obviously Burton's just come down with us, so it's a bit arrogant to say that all we should be like Miles Betterman Burton, but <clears throat> I think Burton aren't even a big club in terms of resources in League One. Mm. Um so I think that, I think we should be fairly comfortable. I mean, they haven't exactly pulled up any trees this season and Nigel Clough he's quite like the antithesis of his father, isn't he? He's not particularly like charismatic or anything mm. like that. He's quite conservative. So I think we should be going to win this game two 0 three one, like fairly comfortably.
1: Yeah. Uh, interesting the contrast from the last time we played Burton, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well. The
1: club. Yeah, yeah. This... The squad, the club, you know, even, everything even top to bottom. They yeah. were they they were very close to staying up, yeah. Which would have been. They two... thought they were staying up, didn't they? When they beat us that they were put uh, us down. I think when they were celebrating, they did, yeah,
3: they did. Yeah. And and I think even on the final day, didn't go to the wire. They yeah. were pretty. They were
1: in the shake up to stay yeah. up, and they just you had know, that horrendous home record last season, it, didn't they? A bit like us, yeah. Killed killed them, and yeah. and. We had a horrendous away record as well. Well, yeah. We were just horrendous, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: let's let's think about that again. Yeah, lovely. No, let's not think about <laughs> that. No, but joking, I mean, I agree with Mickey. I think of the teams that came down, us and Barnsley look far more likely to be bouncing straight back than Burton. Burton are kind of just in with the mush yeah. of League One and that's no shame on them that they're a small club.
4: Yeah.
3: I would I would expect us to go there and win comfortably but I think it's going to be another challenging game, mm. in that we aren't quite there with the personnel. We've just been talking about it. Oviedo will he play? Yeah. Will McGeek play? Yeah. It'd be interesting if McGeek doesn't, because mm. you've got Catamol in there. Definitely, mm. how do you reshape the team? Yeah. So, I still think we, I still think we'll have too much for them. I think we'll win. We'll concede.
1: So maybe it's two mm. one. Yeah, I'd like to think we'll get a a clean sheet myself, but I think something along the lines of of, of 2 1 as well. Right, well, uh, we'll end things there. Uh, The next podcast will be on Monday evening with Stephen Gareth et al. Uh, Just another shout about the live podcast, which is happening on the 18th of October, featuring Jack Ross. Uh, Tickets are now available at wisemensay.co.uk. That's it from us. See you next time. (laughs)